because you were so great. There's no one like you. You that could speak and things were made. You that love us even though we sin. You that send your own son in order to have a relationship with you. Lord, we, we just praise you. You are so great. You are so great. So as we look at your word today, we want to be struck by its greatness in our own lives, how it reveals you, how it speaks about who you are and what your desires are for our life. So could we understand it today? Could we get it? And could we do all that we can, empowered by your Spirit, to show other people how great you are? That it wouldn't just be in our song that our whole entire lives would reflect it, that our lives would be the song. Help us, I pray, in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So about four years ago, um, I was preaching in Malachi chapter 1, this, this passage, and I was in Watoma, and I had visitors there to see me. Some of you were there, I think. It was, it was the search committee from Three Lakes Church. And uh, they were in Watoma, incognito. Except Paul, I was getting the Paul Belcher. I was getting there. Is Paul here this morning? Oh, I, he's, well, you got to tell him I said this then. So, incognito. Uh, so Paul's wearing a suit, nice suit to church. But here's the thing: nobody in Watoma wears a suit, nobody. So he really stuck out, and, and I remember really wanted to preach. A, I wanted to preach a great message. I wanted to do my best, and uh, and then afterwards, you know, it, there's two services, and in between, there's like a 15 minute time where people fellowship and and uh, you kind of hang out, get your coffee, <clears throat> and. Uh, Watoma people, they weren't stupid. Like they, they were kind of like, well, what does he do? What's going on here? And so the people are starting to ask questions, you know. And, and, and nobody really, no one in the search committee, I don't think they said anything to me. They kind of stayed away because, again, it was a secret. Uh, but people were picking up on something's going on here. And so, you know, questions were asked. And it, it was all good. It was all good. Um, and I was just thinking about that because it's this passage that I was preaching. Uh, so some of you are going to hear it twice. Uh, but when you're in a job interview, and this was kind of like a, I don't know what you want to call that, you know, you want to do your best. You, you, you want to come across as your best. But I think over the years you learn even more so, whatever you do, whatever you're up to, you want to do your best for the Lord. You know, not not to impress somebody, but to show him that you gave it your best, you studied as hard as you could, you got ready as best you could, and that's what it's about. That's what we're talking about today, is how do I respond to the greatness of God? And the answer is, I give him my best. That's my sermon. I could say amen, you can go now. But I want to look at it, and and it's simple, but it's profound. So would you go to Malachi chapter 1? Malachi chapter 1, your last book of the Old Testament. 
And as we said last week, Malachi is a prophet writing some four to five hundred years before Jesus. And he's writing to a, he's talking to an apathetic people. I mean, they just, you know, they were in exile. That was like the Daniel days and Nebuchadnezzar. And, and, and now the exiles could return to Israel. The Persians were in charge. They had a different policy. And, and, but the people, even though they were back home, even though they were rebuilding their homes and rebuilding the temple and under Nehemiah rebuilding the walls, they, they, at some point they just started to get apathetic again and, and just kind of like, who, who cares? And, and, and even, look what we, what we went through. How is this right and maybe they even started, maybe they were even seeing things through the lens of, well, during those exile years, it was really our God versus your God, and maybe our God lost. You know? So, so there's, there's all these things going on, and God wants to remind them how great he is. So check out Malachi 1.6. A son honors his father, and a slave his master. If I'm a father... Where's the honor due to me? If I'm a master, where's the respect due me? Says the Lord Almighty. It is you priests who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? By offering defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? Well, by saying the Lord's table is contemptible. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. Now plead with God to be gracious to us. With such offerings from your hands, will he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I'm not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty. And I'll accept no offering from your hands. My name will be great among the nations, from where the sun rises to where it sets. In every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to me, because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. But you profane it by saying, the Lord's table is defiled, and its food is contemptible, and you say, what a burden, and you sniff at it contemptuously, says the Lord Almighty. When you bring injured, lame, or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, shall I accept them from your hands, says the Lord? Cursed is the cheat who has the acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. And now, you priests, this warning is for you. If you don't listen... If you don't resolve to honor my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse on you, and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I've already cursed them, because you've not resolved to honor me. Because of you, I will rebuke your descendants, and I will smear on your faces the dung of your festival sacrifices, and you'll be carried off with it. And you will know that I have sent you this warning, so that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord Almighty." My covenant was with him, a covenant of life and peace, and I gave them to him. This, is, uh, this called for reverence, and he revered me and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and nothing false was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness. He turned many from sin. The lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge, because he's a messenger of the Lord Almighty, and people seek instruction from his mouth. 
But you've turned from the way, and by your teaching have caused many to stumble. You've violated the covenant with Levi, says the Lord Almighty. So I have caused you to be despised and humiliated before all people, because you've not followed my ways, but have shown partiality in matters of the law. All right. Here's the problem. Here's what's going on. Number one, uh, they say, how have we despised your name? And they're asking that question in response to God saying, you're, you're despising me. You're despising the table. You're despising the sacrifices, you priests. And, and they're saying, number one, well, how have we despised your name? And, and here's the answer. You're offering inferior animals as a sacrifice. So if you're familiar with the sacrificial system in Israel <clears throat> from, from Old Testament times, they, they, are, they, are, they, are, they are taking an animal and that animal is dying for your sins. So, so someone, something has to die to pay for sin, your sin. And, and, and so basically that animal, the lamb or the goat or the bull, that, that animal's dying for you. Now, we know from Hebrews, animals can't really erase sin, but it's kind of a placeholder until Jesus, the final lamb, comes, right? But, but they had to kill an animal. And so the rules were, you gave the best, the spotless lamb, unblemished, the best that you had, because that was pointing to the best who was yet to come, Jesus, who would be perfect, sinless, unblemished. They were bringing inferior animals to sacrifice, the blind ones, the lame ones. Oh, they, they would vow the best. They would say, Lord, I'm going to give you this best one. But then when it came time to, to give it, they'd say, well, why would I give a perfectly good animal just to be killed for the Lord? I mean, I could sell that. That, that, that. That's my livelihood. Why would I just give this away? And so they'd vow things and not give them, and, and, and they'd pick the blind ones and, and the lame ones and the blemished ones and give those instead, the sick ones. Because after all, it's just a sacrifice. It's just going to be killed. And... But they were disobeying the Old Testament command on that. <clears throat> They weren't giving their best. <clears throat> I remember, um, I remember a wedding reception, and uh, this was years years ago, years ago. And th- I don't know why I walked into the kitchen. Uh, th- this was at a this was at like a campground sort of thing. But I walked into the kitchen. I guess I was hungry, right? <laughs> okay, <laughs> I walked into the kitchen area. And, and I saw this, this huge, gorgeous platter of strawberries. Chocolate strawberries, regular strawberries, and moldy strawberries. And I, I saw the moldy strawberries, and I don't remember how many there were, but there was a number of them, you know, in the mix, you know. And... You remember this, Chrissy, don't you? You don't remember this? Oh, man. Um, and I was like, what do I do? You know, like, they're, they're, clearly there's moldy strawberries mixed in with these other strawberries. And, and then I asked somebody about it, and, and they said, oh, yeah, they, they, they were told that they'll handle it, they'll take care of it. And I'm like, oh, good. My conscience is clear. So I sat back down. And at some point in the meal, I, I looked over, and everybody's serving themselves and doing the thing, and they set the strawberries out. 
And I was thinking, you know, they must have like picked the ones that were bad, but I counted at least half a dozen, you know, that were, that were in there, you know. And so I'm kind of like, I just want to go up there and say, don't eat the strawberries. Don't, don't do it. You know, you got to stay away from those. But I didn't want to like make a scene and it's a wedding reception. I don't want to be that pastor that kind of like embarrassed the family, you know, and, and maybe they picked out all the ones that were bad. Maybe they really looked well. I don't know, but I'm thinking maybe they just covered some of them in chocolate and underneath they're like, <laughs> I don't know. It just, it just felt weird, you know. So I leaned over my kids, don't eat the strawberries. Don't eat the strawberries. You know, and I, I so I, I, I shouldn't judge. I, I shouldn't judge. But I guess if it was me, I wouldn't have served them. You know, I guess I would have felt really weird, you know, and, and uh, I, I don't maybe that's just me being weird. But um, they're giving God bad sacrifices. And it's like, who cares? We're just, we'll just serve it. This is what we do. You ever, you ever see... You ever see the president, uh, they have some videos where the president like visits somebody in their normal home, you know, and, and like he talks to them and, and I've always thought that's just, those videos are amazing to me when you see like the person who has the highest office in the land and, and he is talking with uh, just regular American people in their homes. It's just kind of one of those surreal sorts of things. If, if he was having dinner with you would, would, would you, would you microwave leftovers, you know, is, is that what you would do? And it's like, no, that's, that's what, that's what we're getting at here. Now, um, number, number two, wait a minute, are some of you joking right now? <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> I'm going to keep going. Okay, never mind. <laughs> number two, um, I have a verse about honoring those in authority. That's what I was, that's right. Um, is it possible I mean, just, just throwing this out here. Uh, God says, you've defiled my name. That's what God says. You've defiled my name. Well, what's so big about God's name? You know, God's name is like his character. It's who he is. When, when you have someone's name, it shows that you're in relationship with that person. It's, it's him talking to Moses. I am who I am. It's, it's Yahweh. And, you know, we throw in vowels. It's Y-H-W-H. We're not sure the pronunciation, but it, it's God's name and he cares about his name, and, and he says, you're defiling my name, and, and they say, how have we defiled you? What have we done? And all i got to say to that is, is it possible that we are blind to how we treat God? I, mean, I, th- I think that's what they're doing. I, I think it's like, Yahweh is your God, Israel, and he's saying, you've defiled my name, and they're like, what? What we do? Huh? Could, could you come to grips with the possibility that you are treating God in a less than great way and you're not even aware of it at the moment? Is that possible? Is it possible that some of us treat God like Santa Claus and the only time God hears from us is when we need something or when something breaks? And don't get me wrong, Broken things are God's specialty. I mean, I, I understand that. But is it possible that's the way we're treating him? As if he's just there to help and really that's all? That he has no other desires for us other than to ask for stuff? Maybe for some of us, and again in our culture, God has become loving 
and fluffy and made of marshmallow and there, there's no edges to him. There's, there's no danger to him. Hell can't possibly be real because God is way too soft for that. You know, um, are, are we blind to how we treat him? Like he's just some pushover? Or, or maybe we go old, old school and... Um, is it possible that when we talk about offering our best to God, what we think that means is dressing up nice on Sunday morning? That's kind of what I grew up in, you know. And, and I have nothing against dressing up, but, I mean, just, just play that out for a second. God's in heaven, looks down. Look at that. Ralph is in a shirt and tie. Oh, my goodness. He's going to have a good week. Ralph is. And he looks down and he says, look at, look at John. John, he wore shorts. Gabriel, look, look, look. He's losing his job. You know, I mean, is, is, is that the way it works? Is that the way God's blessing works? So God, I'm giving you my best. Look at my shirt and tie. Uh, the ladies, look, look at my dress. Um, I love Easter dresses. That's all good. You know, I'm, uh, did you see my daughter last week? You know, um, I'm all good with that, and I'm all good with dressing up. I do it myself. Uh, but, but is that what it means to give God our best? I wore shorts once to a church where you're not supposed to wear shorts, and I heard about it, okay? <laughs> Christy remembers that one. <laughs> she remembers that one. Um, is that best? Uh, an outward showing God says, I'd rather have you just close the doors if it's all about a show. If that's what it is, close the doors up, priests. Just stop the sacrifices altogether because I can see into the heart. I know this is just the leftovers you're serving me. So let's move on. Oh, by the way, can I say one more thing about blindness? The thing about blindness is it, it usually takes a strong word to break through the blindness. Now, sometimes you can break through with a soft, gentle, little a nudge, sure. But when you're blind, blind, I, I, I think based on Malachi, it can sometimes take a prophetic, strong word. It takes the Bible to help us see how we're treating God and who He really is. If, if, you're, not, if you're not looking to the Bible as your source of who God is, and if you're, if you're doing the cultural thing, you're not going to see who He is and you're going to treat Him badly. Um, are you open to hearing a quote-unquote, prophetic word, a word where someone tells you, this isn't right. The way you're treating God, the way, what you're doing, it's just not good. Can you hear it? I'm always kind of scared when I talk with people who have that gift of, like, discernment and, uh, you know, you know what I mean by that? Like, like they, can, they can kind of see into your heart and your soul. I'm always kind of, like, worried that, that well, I think it goes back to when I was in, uh, I was in high school and I was going to go into ministry and there was a guy that worked with me at the Christian bookstore. And he, was a, he was an associate pastor, and he worked in the Bible department. Loved the Word of God. Loved the people of God. And, I, and of course, I told him I was going into ministry. And he's like, are you really? I want to pray for you after work. Okay. So it was like 9, 9.30 at night. We're in the parking lot. It's dark. Standing by his car. And he lays hands on me, and he starts praying for me. And then, I'm telling you, the first time this has ever happened to me, uh, he, he spoke in tongues. And I didn't know really what that was about. I just knew he was doing it. It's other languages. I, 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 didn't, I was just a junior in high school. I didn't know. 
And at some point, he stops speaking in tongues, and he just stops. And he says, I can't pray for you anymore. I'm like, oh, boy. And he says, you don't believe in what I'm doing. And I was like, I don't know what, you should have given me a heads up, you know. I didn't know you knew Latin, you know. I didn't know. Um, <laughs> but um, nowadays, it wouldn't shock me that much. I'm good. But I just, I just wasn't aware of what that was. And I've always kind of been, you know, with people of discernment, I'm ready for someone to say, Niall, you're a poser. You know, this, this, this whole spiritual thing, you know, you, you talk a good talk. Because, because I know my sin, you know, and you know your sin, and, and we know before God, all is laid bare, you know. We know that. And sometimes we need people, sometimes when we're blinded, though, we need people to point it out. And that's okay. It's okay. And I've got to receive a hard word, too, sometimes. Number three. Number three. Uh, so who is God in this passage, and what does he want? Uh, in, in this passage uh, that we're looking at, God describes himself a, a, as a father. So, so he says in verse 6, A son honors his father and a slave his master. If I'm a father, where's the honor due me? If I'm a master, where's the respect due me, says Lord Almighty. Let's pick up on the father thing for a minute. You know, God is a father to us. He created us. You know, you can't say you were accidental. No matter your biological, whatever you got in your background, God wanted you here. He knit you together in your mother's womb. You were here for a purpose. That, that's biblical. That's, just, that's how it is. You may have felt like you were an accident, but you're not. He's your father. And so you owe him honor. That's one of the Ten Commandments, right? Honor your father and mother. How much more with God? Do you know how ancient people treated their parents? The honor they gave them? There is a command about when you dishonor your parents and, and you kind of continue in that, you know, they can have you. Well, it, it's a hard passage. But they took honor seriously, really seriously for parents. Kids, this story's for you. There's a rabbi, a uh, story of a rabbi. Let me get his name on here so I can tell you. Rabbi Tarfon. Rabbi Tarfon uh, is written about in ancient Jewish writings, and the, the story goes like this. Rabbi Tarfon's mother was in her garden one day, and she was walking around, and her sandal split. Okay, Her, her, her sandal split, so it was worthless, and she took it off. And he was, he was determined to honor his mother, so as the story goes, he, he kind of like cupped his hands, and as she walked back to the house, he put his hands underneath the, 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 underneath her feet so that her bare foot could walk on his hands instead of on the ground. Now, um, he wanted to honor his mother. One day, Rabbi Tarfan was sick, and his colleagues were coming to visit him while he was sick and kind of looking on and see how he was doing. And, and Rabbi Tarfan's mother was taking care of him, and she said, oh, pray for my son, you know, pray for him. And, and, and then she said, he, he honors me more than I am due. He honors me more than I am due. Now, this is what I want to read. Now, now the rabbis responded to her, and, and they said, well, what, what has he done for you that you think he honors you too much? And she told him the story about you know, the, the, her foot and him, him cupping his hands and walking on his hands. And, and this is what they said. I wish I would have put this on the screen. I should have done that. Um, and, 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 but let me quote it. 
if he, and the rabbi said to her, if he had done to you a thousand times more, he would not have done half the honor enjoined in Torah. Oh, if he had done to you a thousand times more than that, that humble act, he wouldn't have even done half of obeying the command to honor your father and mother. They kind of took it seriously, you know? And God is saying, if you treat your mom and dad like that, and if I'm your father, where's my honor? If I'm as great as you say, where's my honor? Why don't you give me your best? Isn't that what you do? You give your best. Okay. That's who God is. What does God want? You probably caught this a couple times in our passage because God repeats himself, which means you ought to pay attention. I'm I'm telling you twice. Uh, Verse 11. My name will be great among the nations from where the sun rises to where it sets and every place incense and pure offerings will be brought to me because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. What does God want from his people? He wants Israel to be a light to everybody else. You know, he wants his name to be great among the nations and they're they're treating it like it's common and ordinary and, you know, you can worship God like anybody else worships their God. It's not a big deal, right? It's just not a big deal. And God's like, I'm not like one of the other gods out there. I'm not like one of those wood idols. My name is great. And I am determined that the nations will glorify me and see how great I am. And, of course, in the New Testament, God goes public with all of that and, and, and in a big way, and we know that Paul sent to the Gentiles to spread the word amongst us, not just the Jews. So let me just bring that down to our terms. People who don't know God see how you treat God, and they make conclusions about God based on that. Right? People see how you treat God, and they make conclusions about that, about who God is. Now you say, well, they shouldn't base it on me. They should base it on the Bible and, and, and the truth. And it's like, you're the letter, though. You're the letter. You're it. And when God is talking to Israel, he's like, I want to be great among the nations, and you're not showing it. You're not showing it. So your testimony, what people think about God, if you give God your best, people see that and they know you must serve a great God to give your all the way that you do. Sarah, thanks for going to the nations. We can even take it to the family level. And I want to cast no judgment. That's not my intention in saying this. We were talking about this in our small group a few weeks ago. Um, How you treat God in your family is observed by your children. And if you treat God less than what he is, your kids see that. And they will follow suit. Or worse, there's a lot at stake here. There's a lot at stake. 
and how we treat the Lord. Finally, what we've said all morning is we've got to give God our best. We've got to give God our best. What does that mean? If it doesn't mean how you dress on Sunday, what does it mean? What does it mean? Let me suggest four things from this passage, and uh, but also in thinking about like who Jesus is, because he is the lamb, he was the best, he offered himself to God. What, what does this mean? Uh, what does it mean to give God your best? Let me give four ideas here. Uh, the first idea, this kind of application, I, I'd love for you to hear these and think, how does this, how does this hit me? You know, uh, how does this meet me in my life? This is your application part. We can say best all morning long. What does best even mean? Well, certainly best means cost. Does your faith cost you anything? Is there any place in your faith where you say, yeah, I do that because I don't want this life to be all about me. I want this faith to cost me. So, now, now, be careful. You're not paying God back. It's not, it's not salvation. It's a free gift. But carrying the cross is a cost. Uh, David talked about that when he wanted to sacrifice to God and, and, and that guy offered his property. Like, you, you could take this area and, and, sacri- and, God, and David's like, I'm not going to sacrifice to God something that costs me nothing. What is your faith cost? Does it cost you anything? Would, would your life not look much different if, if you didn't have faith? You'd just keep going? Cost, it means there's a sacrifice involved in this whole thing. What does this cost you? For the people of Israel at this time, it meant I choose my best animal that I could have sold, but I'm giving it up. I'm giving it to God. Jesus paid the cost. B. Uh, Best means quality. Quality. It's your best lamb. It's perfect. It's spotless. It's not blind. It's not lame. It's perfect. Jesus was perfect. He was sinless. Uh, best means quality. Um, good examples, the worship team, you know, they practice every week and they want to give their best. We want excellent worship. Now, let's say it wasn't that good on a Sunday. Let's say it was a train wreck and they practiced, they gave their best. Uh, the train wreck's okay, you know. If you don't have a good singing voice and you're out there and you're like, God doesn't want to hear me, I don't have quality. No, no, you sing. Because that's your best. You know what I mean? It's your best. And so God's not judging that. But if you could do better and you hold back from the Lord, He sees that in your heart. And that's not your best. It's not your best. I mean, for me, I remember when I wrestled with, uh, I, was, I was in full-time ministry and seminary, and I have a family. And I was in the process of adopting. What does best mean when you're doing that? It means I turned in some B papers, B as the grade, and I had to be okay because I wanted—I knew that, that my family needed my best. I, I, I had to prioritize. Oh, I'm getting there. C. Best means priorities. God says to the people, if you were offering this to your governor, would you offer your blind animal, your lame animal? Would you give that to your governor? Would he accept that from you? Then why do you think I will? Why does God get our leftovers and we say it's good enough? He'll understand. But if it was somebody important in our life, it would have been a lot better. 
priorities. What are your priorities? How do you spend your evenings? How do you spend your mornings? What do you do with your time? Does God get treated like he's truly amazing, like you are truly in awe of him? And then D, lastly, uh, best means character. Uh, It's your character. You, You give God the best of your heart. And, and, and you want to obey him. God says it like this to the people of Israel. He says, is that not wrong? I think the ESV uses the word evil. I like that one a little better. It's a little stronger. God says to people, when you offer these animals, is that not evil? Uh, it's, just, it's just an animal. It's just, that's what we do. It's just, it's, just, it's character. It's your character. Do you give the best of your integrity, your character to the Lord? Or is there something you've just got to hold back? God, you can't touch this part. You can't have it. Best is all. It's all of it. Hopefully that will lead you down some places where you can look at your own life um, and, and see, am I treating God like my father? Am I treating him like a great king? Because he is the king. Let me pray, and then we'll transition into communion. Father, we, uh, we want to honor you as the greatest being that we know. There's nobody like you. And God, so often we offer you just what's left. The leftovers of our energy, the leftovers of our obedience, the leftovers of our priorities. We'll give you something. And yet you see our heart. You see the things we really love. And you want to be at the top. So would we put, could you help us put you at the top? Would you help us do that? In Christ's name, amen.